clever you all are, I have good news. Hi, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Cynthia Hayes. You're listening to Gimme Good News Radio, an audio service of Gimme Good News Daily hosted on WordPress. New Four Corners weather station planned for tribal lands. The location of a new permanent weather station for the Four Corners region has been announced. La Plata County and the Southern Ute Indian Tribes said Monday they plan to build the station on tribal lands about 15 miles south of Durango. The radar system is expected to fill a notorious blind spot for weather and radar modeling. The Four Corners hubs currently process data at elevations too high to accurately model the region. For instance, in Grand Junction, Colorado, the radar system cannot locate storms coming into the Four Corners below an altitude of 28,000 feet. This means weather forecasters miss many incoming storms. From the Mesa Tribune, MCC virtually succeeds with Early Childhood Lab. The Mesa Community College has adapted its Evelyn H. Warren Child Development Lab for virtual early childhood teaching and learning. The lab school, accredited through the National Association for the Education of Young Children, aims to provide educational, developmentally appropriate activities for toddlers and preschoolers while training MCC's early child education interns. With the onset of the pandemic, lab school supervisor and lead teacher Rochelle Ramirez-Clark said, quote, she embraced technology as a tool for a meaningful education experience for young children and their families. The mindset for the program was not to replace the value of a face-to-face experience, but rather to provide an enriching experience for the children and fill a need for the families and interns, says Ramirez Clark. We wanted to create a welcoming, fun, and engaging experience for the children. Dawn Wilkinson, the coordinator for the Early Childhood Program, provided technical guidance and support needed for the summer virtual programs. Rochelle Ramirez-Clark, CDL supervisor and lead teacher, adapted learning plans and activities to engage young children remotely. Ramirez-Clark focused on developing learning plans and activities for the children and interns, while Wilkinson focused on training and providing technical support. Quote, just as we would encourage young children to play with new items, we as adults had to play with the platforms and programs that we would be using, Wilkinson said. In a safe environment among colleagues, we gave ourselves time to press buttons to see what would happen and took turns being the presenter. This time truly gave us the confidence to launch this new virtual program with the families. The success of the virtual spring classes led to the development of eight-week virtual parent, toddler, and preschool programs over the summer. Matt Raymond, a father of twin girls who attended the summer toddler program, said, They've never done anything like this before, and I've been so proud with how engaged they are with the content. The program has shown me that it's time to start learning some things that I didn't know they were ready for yet, like using utensils and learning some new dance moves, Taman said. 
The interns experienced a seamless learning experience as well, MCC officials said. Quote, overall, the internship exceeded my expectations. I learned a lot about early childhood education and had the opportunity to teach sessions, said intern Lynn Coldart, adding, I was surprised at how engaged the younger students were, and I was curious to observe them and watch how the teacher engaged with them and held their attention. Students learned letters of the alphabet by recognizing the first letter of each other's names. Quote, we were ecstatic when the progress of our young children made with the virtual program during the spring and summer sessions, said Early Childhood Education Program Director Anupurna Ganesh. The word got out. Our colleagues from higher education and center directors in the Valley asked us to share how we had adapted to the virtual environment. There were more than 50 participants in our virtual how-to meeting, and many others have reached out. I am incredibly proud of the MCC Early Childhood Education team, the go-getter attitudes of the interns, and the adaptations they made to make sure each of the young children was personally recognized, praised, and engaged during each virtual class session. The Pope baptizes twins after successful surgery to separate them. After more than a year of tests and studies, they underwent their first surgery in May of 2019. In Vatican City, their heads were encased in white bandages covering the wounds where they'd been conjoined. Two-year-old twins named Irvina and Prefina were baptized by Pope Francis on August the 6th in the chapel of his residence. The babies from the Central Africa Republic are still hospitalized at the Vatican-owned Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital in Rome, a spokesperson said on August 10th. But their mother, identified only as Ermine, really wanted the Pope to baptize them. A team of doctors led by Dr. Carlo Maras, chief of neurosurgery at the hospital, performed the final separation surgery June 5th. The hospital held a news conference a month later to announce the successful separation of the conjoined twins and their progressive recovery. Dr. Maras attended the baptism according to a photograph tweeted by Antoinette Montaigne, a former government official in the Central African Republic and a lawyer specializing in children's rights. Pope Francis visited a hospital when he went to Central Africa Republic in 2015. Returning to Rome, he asked the Bambino Gesù Hospital in Rome to begin a project there. Mariella Enoch, president of the Rome Hospital, met Irmine and her newborn twins during a visit to Bangui in July 2018 as part of the project to establish a pediatric medical center there, the hospital said. The twins and their mother arrived in Rome two months later. After more than a year of tests and studies, particularly given how many veins the baby shared, they underwent their first surgery in May of 2019. A second operation followed a month later. New veins and grafts were allowed to grow for a year before the final surgery to separate the girls who had been conjoined at the back of the head. A news release from the hospital in July said June 29th, they celebrated their second birthday looking into each other's eyes. 
From Arcadia, Project Roots offers education for a sustainable way of life. After 23 years with the Women's National Basketball Association, Bridget Petit retired from the sport and launched a new adventure, Project Roots. This nonprofit strives to grow healthy organic food and share it with the community with the goal of helping people live a healthier life. Petit was inspired to create the organization after volunteering as a community gardener. The business started out as a soup kitchen. After Petit purchased some land in the South Phoenix area, she quickly launched a community garden whose sole purpose was to become a useful food and education resource for the community. Quote, we want to make sure there is an availability of organic food for everybody, she said. Project Roots plants and grows organic food, but Petit also maintains the soup kitchen for people in need. She hopes to launch a mobile soup kitchen and build a shelter to help people transition out of homelessness in the future. Quote, I think homelessness is a problem that can be removed in this country, Petit said. Having volunteered for food banks and community kitchens in the past, she wanted to create a kitchen that made healthier foods for the disadvantaged population and give them a resource for nutritious food instead of canned goods and processed foods. Project Roots also offers produce that's delivered to customers every Tuesday and Thursday, and they host a farmer's market every Saturday that's entirely donation-based. They're also educating communities on planting, growing, and eating organic. The organization hosts weekly gardening classes with a master gardener and also has a garden box program that allows neighborhoods to purchase a garden box to share with their community. Exclusively run by volunteers, the nonprofit is a growing success. Quote, it's not just me, Petit said. This is a volunteer program and people are coming out to serve and help other people, end quote. Project Roots hopes to host an annual fundraiser to help their organization grow and expand their ability to support and educate more people. Quote, I've definitely seen a bigger need since the pandemic, but there's been a need for this worldwide for some time now, Petit said. My goal is to build a better world, end quote. In the future, Petit hopes to see her dream project flourish into a national organization that encourages growing and eating healthy food in communities across the country. For more, contact projectrootsaz.org. In Scottsdale, a nonprofit horses around with a reading program. When Terry Holmes Stesek's miniature horses aren't taking a quick swim in a nearby swimming pool to cool off amid triple-digit temps, they're Zooming with children worldwide. They're not cooperative little actors all the time, Homestesic said of her horses, but fortunately they're good little kids. Homestesic is the founder of Tender Little Hearts Mini Tales and Equine Mini Therapy, a Scottsdale-based equine-assisted nonprofit that offers a literacy program where young readers can read to mini horses and Homestesic's one donkey at libraries and schools. When COVID-19 hit, however, and senior facilities and libraries closed their doors to all reading sessions and assisted equine therapy visits, 
Holmstesek didn't temporarily suspend the program. She dressed the mini horses and donkey in their best on-camera attire and went virtual. Tender Little Hearts Virtual Mini Tales Reading Program allows kids to read to mini horses, Maisie, Doll, and Boone, either via the 10-minute video on the nonprofit's website or via live one-on-one -on -one Zoom readings. Quote, this unique experience is intended to build confidence in young readers because, after all, a diminutive equine isn't going to pass any judgment but will simply listen, end quote, said Holmes Stesick. Since the virtual offering launched at the end of June, the video has been viewed more than 1,000 times by children in Scottsdale and beyond. Not only has the video reached readers in Dubai and Saudi Arabia, but Cross North School and Children's Home in North Carolina, an in-home school for Appalachian children and at-risk children, have picked it up and are using it in their cottage, Holmes said. Kids have told Holmstesic that they not only like watching the mini horses as they read, but that it's also an easy, fun way for them to get in the required minutes for school. As a homeschool parent of three kids, seven and under, there is a lot of juggling involved, said Sarah Toy of Rio Verde Foothills. Quote, Tender Little Hearts Read to a Mini Program is a fun and helpful resource for kids and parents to promote independent reading in an interactive way, end quote. The video, which is also available for your viewing on Maricopa County's library system, where it's viewed an average 30 times a day, is intentionally 10 minutes long. Quote, we purposely created it for 10 minutes so that it would reach a broad group of people or children, Holmes Desick said, quote, they say one minute of reading per age is about average, so five to six-year-olds are the younger readers up to 10 minutes. The live Zoom readings and therapy sessions, on the other hand, allow for a more one-on-one -on -one personal experience. So far, Holmstesic has booked 10 live Zoom sessions, which are typically 25 minutes long. Quote, it was just neat for them to be able to actually see the mini again and do a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one, and they can ask questions, she said. In addition to offering the video and Zoom readings, Holmstesic has welcomed visitors to the Mini Horses Scottsdale home where families can come pet and groom the minis. Quote, they walk the minis, they read to the minis. We've done just a handful of one-on-ones where we've actually allowed a family to come themselves as a family unit, she said. Quote, of course, we completely disinfect all of the brushes and everything afterwards, so we have allowed a little of that to give the horses that socialization, end quote. Of course, tender little hearts can't wait to return to schools and libraries, including TK, where they were welcomed once a month per venue. Quote, we have 600 children at Desert Willow Elementary School, a collaborative effort with the children's book author Claudine Song that participated, and we'd love to be able to go back, Homestesic said. I think now having this virtual reading program is going to hopefully promote them to want to read a book to the miniatures horses themselves, she added. Tender Little Hearts will keep the 10-minute video up on their website indefinitely. The team is also working on creating read-along videos where the mini horses or the donkey will read the story. Quote, I'm Dolly. My husband, Don Sesek, is 
Maserati and our director of our 501c3, Cindy Gibson, is our boon, Holmes Desick said, of their in-house voiceover work. The split-screen video will show the horse or donkey reading on one side and the text on the other so kids can read along. Quote, I see that going even further, especially with the younger readers and maybe even children where English is a second language and being able to hear the word, the phonemics of it, and read along with them. Holmes Desick explained, quote, we're excited about that. They hope to launch it within the next few weeks. Tender Little Hearts, Mini Tales, and Equine Mini Therapy was founded in March of 2019 after a similar nonprofit, Mobile Minis, moved their facility to to Pennsylvania in 2016. Holmes Stasek was a volunteer for said nonprofit. Quote, when Mobile Minis moved back east, I saw that there was such a void in the reading program. There are several people that do therapy, but the reading program, so many people loved it and asked, are you bringing the mini tales back? So I decided to incorporate and offer that again, she said. Organized exclusively as an equine therapy outreach for children and adults, Tender Little Hearts offers literacy services and encourages kids to read. The nonprofit also provides assisted therapy activities for a wide range of people from children and adults with special needs, development issues or disabilities, and veterans with PTSD or in need of emotional relief therapy to hospices, hospitals, skilled nursing care facilities, senior care centers, Centers, memory care facilities, and more. Quote, the reasons they are such wonderful therapy animals is because they do want to engage with the human, and they're also very curious animals, end quote. Holmes Stasek explained, the nonprofit's therapy animals are qualified through the Miniature Equine Therapy Standards Association and American Miniature Therapy Horse Organization and registered as therapy animals with Register My Service Animal. The same month the virtual offerings launched, Holmes Stasek was honored by the Arizona State Society Daughters of the American Revolution for outstanding service by a chapter member in literacy promotion. She was also the first place winner of both National Society Daughters of the American Revolution, Southwest Division, and first place as the national winners of NSDAR's Literacy Promotion Contest. From Arizona Central, the article was originally published in the Arizona Republic by Anton Delgado. For George Glenn, the message from the Hawks' piercing stare was clear. His eyes said, Please help me. A hawk normally would have taken off, but he stayed, so I knew he needed me, quote, said Glenn, an operations manager at Kerbot Landfill in Kingman. Glenn got that help from Nick Thompson, a wildlife manager for the Arizona Game and Fish Department, who drove to Kingman to capture the injured hawk. Quote, it was dehydrated. It didn't make any effort to escape. It had no observable injuries, so I thought it must have been really sick, quote, Thompson said. I wasn't sure if it was going to make it. But after months of rehabilitation, it did. On Wednesday, Thompson released the Swainson Hawk back into the wild after around a 120-day stay in rehab at Liberty Wildlife in Phoenix. Without a sound, the hawk burst from its box after a slight nudge from Thompson. It took to the air without glancing back and soared through the wind with ease. 
Within seconds, the hawk, which had seemed larger than life, was nothing more than a speck in the sky. Three juvenile Swainson's hawks, orphaned and taking to the wild for the first time, flapped their wings to keep up. Quote, it's the whole reason we do this job. We're here to protect the environment and conserve wildlife, Thompson said. For those of us with boots on the ground, it gives us that nice job satisfaction that we're doing something that has an actual impact. It gives me a nice warm feeling inside, end quote. Rehabilitation and release, the injured hawk had suffered a shoulder injury, which is why it was unable to fly away when Glenn approached. After being rehydrated, fed, and medicated, the hawk was brought to a pre-release flight enclosure, a 180-foot-long area with a sharp embankment where it spent a few weeks building back muscle for its imminent migration, which spans North and South America. Liberty Wildlife rehabilitates wildlife, provides conservation services, and educates the public on natural history. According to its 2019 annual report, the organization assisted over 9,800 animals last year, spanning 167 species. Nearly 100 of those species were native birds, like the Swainson's hawk. Most rehabilitated birds are released at the location where they were saved, but after months in rehab this hawk was given a helping hand quote the migration has already started so many of the birds have already begun flying south said laura hackett an education facilitator at liberty wildlife quote since phoenix is along the pathway releasing him here will give him a better chance to be able to join up with the rest of the swainson's hawks end quote the hawk won't be playing catch-up alone. The injured bird was released with three orphaned juvenile hawks, along with a little extra baggage. Biologists from the Game and Fish Department had attached an identification band and lightweight transmitter to the hawk's back. It will allow the department to track the bird's progress, movement patterns, and post-release survival. Quote, to be able to witness the end state of its recovery, its release, and now be able to track that bird through its migration is just so exciting, Thompson said. The data from the bird will be part of the department's project on raptor migration through Arizona. Quote, every release is a learning experience, and it's great that by tracking this bird, this learning experience will just continue, Hackett said. It's really heartwarming to see how a bird that we'd usually see flying in the sky and maybe not think twice about has brought a whole bunch of people together. We go now across the country to Maine, where a theater sprouts in a field. South Road Farm in Fayetteville will host Anne of Green Gables Part 1. Melissa Cassidy, the owner of South Road Farm in Fayette, is not one for screaming, but she let out a little shout of joy when she hung up the phone with theater producer Chris Henry. Henry, who grew up in nearby in Winthrop and lives in New York, where she operates Royal Family Productions, wanted to stage a one-woman production of Anne of Green Gables Part 1 in the barn of the beautiful old New England farm and was hoping Cassidy would be open to the idea. Oh, she was. Quote, it's been my vision for the farm for a long time. 
that this might turn into some kind of arts venue. So to have her reach out to me in times like this, when the pandemic has canceled all opportunities for outdoor music and shows, I was pretty excited, Cassidy said. Quote, it feels like everything is closing down and to have such a beautiful thing arrive now at our doorstep when everybody needs a little hope felt amazing. End quote. Cassidy and Royal Family Productions will host the play at 1.30 and 4.30 on September 26th, the rain date September 27th. The actress Nicole Renee Johnson will perform in the barn, which will be open on each end. The audience of no more than 50 people will sit outside the barn, socially distanced and with mandatory masks. Quote, people will sit among the flowers and nature and chickens, birds and alpacas people can see straight through the barn to the mountains and pastures so the setting of the farm will be the backdrop for the play which was about perfect henry adapted the young adult novel by canadian writer lucy maud montgomery for the stage as a one-woman show in previous royal family versions it has included dancers but the pared down main version will include a single actor to reduce virus risk it is the story of 11-year-old Anne Shirley, a hot-tempered, red-headed orphan who ends up in the Cuthbert home on Prince Edward Island. The one-act play will last about 65 minutes. It's a play about accepting people for who they are and showing them unconditional love, Henry said. Quote, Anne finds a family and they find a daughter with all her foibles. She is who she is and she is loved for that, Henry said. Johnson, 23, was drawn to the role because it represented the chance to work again on stage and also because she relates to Anne's determination to find joy in life despite its sorrows. She plays multiple roles on stage, sometimes as many as three within a single scene, and relates mostly to Anne, the title character. Quote, I had a very chaotic family life growing up. I was never in one place too long. I was passed around between family, friends, and relatives. But throughout my life, I always knew what my goal was, even as a kid, she said. I remember being in the third grade thinking, I have to study hard and be smart. If I want to go to the college I want to go to, that sort of drive has brought me where I am today, end quote. She accomplished her goals, graduating from Baylor University and making her life in theater. The pandemic has interrupted those plans. Acting work barely exists anymore, so she is working as an online stylist for Stitch Fix in the meantime. When the opportunity to act in Maine came up, she snatched it. Quote, the important thing right now, what we all need to do, is to continue to fight through this and see the good and see the light in our lives. End quote. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We'll visit more next time on Gimme Good News Radio. If you'd like to read along or find any of the articles you've heard today, visit www.gimmegoodnewsdaily.wordpress.com.